Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Good morning. Uh, hello. <laughs> Apparently that 4 or 5 a.m. thing didn't work again. <laughs> no, not so much. <laughs> okay, okay. You just fall into another, you know, set of routines and monotony, don't you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, there you go. Yeah, we got some stories about that today, which would be great. <laughs> <laughs> A little follow-up. Uh, Tesla has had another car crash. Right. But uh, And also, again, uh, well, actually, the first car crash that we covered, it was uh, debunked that the guy was watching Harry Potter movies when he basically got his head chopped off mm-hmm. by the semi. Um, but this guy, nope, he admitted it. Uh, he ran into a couple cop cars. Oh. <laughs> Oops. I hope he was watching Speed. I was thinking Crash. Oh, that's good, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I thought that would work out. <laughs> or, <But> yeah, you know, <laughs> this is Cannonball Run. I mean, there's lots of... Oh, yeah. yeah see? Oh, God. We were talking about that on the Discord channel. I exactly. Think that's why it came top yeah. of mind. Yeah. yeah, that would be fun. A fun watch again. Uh, but, yeah, the guy turned on his autopilot and then proceeded to watch a movie on his phone and voila, hit a car. <laughs> Hit a cop car, nonetheless, which then hit another cop car. <laughs> uh, Keystone okay. cops. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you. Uh, we're not ready for prime time with these things, are we? Twenty years. Twenty uh, more years. Except for the fact that <laughs> Tesla's rolled them out and people are using them. Yes, and how is that going, Elon? Uh, what, what, what we're supposed to have? Uh, what level five this year? Uh, uh, I think his argument will, of course, be: We'll look at the amount of uh, hours that we have logged without an accident. In the news. Uh, And further, this technology isn't quite there yet and what could possibly go wrong. Uh, Google's Nest Hub is going to be rolled out in tons and tons of hotels, assuming we're ever at a hotel ever again. Yeah, what's a hotel? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but uh, if we do have hotels ever again and we go to one, you might walk into your room and find uh, find the Google Assistant with its camera sitting right there in your room. Just what I want when I visit a hotel room is a camera in my room. That we're not in control of, and we don't know anything about the IT department, and we don't know how it's been set up, and we don't know what they've done to it. That sounds like a great plan, doesn't it? I know the first thing that I would do if I walked in and saw one of these things, I'd unplug it. I was going to say, just unplug it. First, I was thinking, ah, maybe bring some electrical tape, but no, just (laughs) unplug the damn thing. Yeah, yeah, we've all got we've all got personal assistants in our cell phones now. We don't we don't need to have this one sitting there. So obviously they're pitching this as it's hands-free hospitality. You'll have it set up in every room. You'll be able to ask the front desk for wake-up calls or more towels. I don't know why you'd need to ask the front desk for a wake-up call if you've got an assistant there with an alarm clock built exactly. into it. Um <laughs> You can learn about pool opening times, which is usually conveniently in a sheet right in a binder that's right there. Uh, And then you can set up the system to control smart devices in rooms, including blinds, lights, and the TV. Now, I've gone through my own personal odyssey about trying to get a lady in a tube (laughs) to control the TV. I, I wonder if they figured it out. Somehow, I doubt it. I doubt it. So they're saying you won't have to uh, sign into your own account, so your activity won't be tied to your Google account, but guess whose account it will be tied to if they're smart? The hotel's personal account to collect all the datas. Yeah. No, this is bad. This This is a bad idea. idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the last thing. When I go into a hotel room, I want complete and utter privacy. 
because yes, that is the happens point. in the hotel room stays in the hotel room. <laughs> yeah, not a good idea. I'm not down with this plan. So, no well, it'll probably fail before it gets there. I we'll mean, that's assume. how these things usually usually work. They'll put it in. They'll put a test you know test program in, and then they'll figure out that oh, this was a bad idea, and then they <laughs> have to scrap you know a couple thousand Google Nest hubs. But you know, Google still sells them in the in the long run. So and good for Google. Promotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we, t- we talked a couple uh, days ago, a couple shows ago, it all starts to blend about the uh, Amazon or Amazon. <sighs> Too many companies with the letter A in them. <laughs> Apple. No, not Apple. Uh, what's the other one? Adobe. There we go. The Adobe Lightroom <laughs> Adobe. Uh, yes. feature that launched and then deleted everybody's photos because they didn't think to back things up. Well, Canon's got your back now. They have announced a new software integration that will enable automatic Google Photos backup of pictures taken with select Canon cameras. So no chance of that ever happening ever with one of these new Canon cameras. Uh, so yeah. That's uh, It's an auto backup feature. Of course, here's the caveat. It's only available to Google One members, so you've got to sign up and pay. What the hell is Google One? I've never I even have heard no of idea. that. I've never heard of it either, but uh, it apparently gets you up to 100 gigabytes of cloud storage. It's some premium tier of theirs. Okay. I mean, I pay for two terabytes a month on Google Drive, so... I don't know what the hell that's all about. But, yeah, my phone actually automatically backs up every photo that's ever taken straight to Google Cloud right away. Right. Sometimes when I don't want it to, <laughs> I have to go delete it. I'm like, I didn't want that in the, in the permanent record. No, <laughs> no, no. Abort, yeah, you know, the abort. funny thing is, I, 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 well, uh, you, your, your pictures might be slightly different than mine that are doing that. But uh, the funny, I've, I've set up like a, there's a couple different games on, on the iPad that I've given to my son that allows him to take, you know, he takes pictures as part of the game and all that sort of stuff. And it syncs directly to my phone. So I've got like 782 pic- pictures of my son with like a kind of a, like an astronaut's helmet around him as part of one game that have all been put in the cloud. Now I have to go through and delete them all. And it's crazy. You don't want to save them for posterity? For I want to save up? one. He takes 700 <laughs> in a row. Well, that's good. He's learning. He's learning his angles. He's got to learn his angles. If he's going to make it as an influencer in the social media, you know, world that we have. I was about on. to say, you're not going to say make it as a photographer, right? Because that's pretty much a dead profession. Yeah. There's three people in the world that can make money <laughs> as a photographer right now. Yeah. So yeah, pass on that one. Uh, this is the greatest article I've ever read. I think at least this week, <laughs> this is over at the register. Facebook apologizes to users, businesses for Apple's monstrous, monstrous efforts to protect its customers privacy uh yeah the title is genius and that's basically really all you need to know doesn't it (laughs) yes yes um yes the the new ios update will rob people of personalized ads whales the anti-social giant facebook has apologized to its users and advertisers for being forced to respect people's privacy in an upcoming update to apple's mobile operating system and promised it will do its best to invade their privacy on other platforms (laughs) (laughs) well done the register well done the funny thing is it's really not all that wrong no, it's it's spot on. That's the the great part about it. Yep. It is it, it is totally spot on. And uh yeah. And, and here's the thing though. Apple or Facebook is is bitching and moaning saying that they could see a 50% reduction in their advertising rates. Um and last time I checked, uh well, the Mac doesn't have anywhere near 50% market share. iOS definitely doesn't have near 50% market share. So where are they Pulling this 50% number out of their ass. There's a hell of a lot more Android phones than there are 
uh, Apple phones. So that's true. I'm sure they'll be fine. I I, I I suspect that the idea being advertisers will be a bit well. We'll find a reason to say to Facebook, "Hey, you're charging too damn much." Now we know that we can't target certain uh, users anymore. Bring down yeah. your prices because they're too damn high. Yep. Uh, well, not going to shed a tear over this one. Nope, not me either. I can't wait for iOS 14 personally. I, I'm looking forward to all these different privacy controls. going to be great. Well, go get the public beta. Uh, I've learned from you <laughs> over the years. <laughs> My life is a cautionary tale for others. Yes, it is. Exactly. Not to do such things. So I shall wait patiently. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, Facebook is doing something sort of kind of good. Not really, but I mean, it's more self-serving than anything else, but good on them for actually trying to go after some of these people. Uh, they are suing a man who sold fake Instagram likes and comments as part of a fake engagement service. The service was called Nakrutuka, and it used a network of bots and automation software to distribute fake likes, comments, views, and followers on Instagram, according to the company. They filed a number of similar lawsuits against developers who misuse data or otherwise violate its terms of service. Obviously not enough of them. Could have started with Cambridge Analytica. Yep, it could have. <laughs> but, uh, you know, earlier this year, the company sued a Spanish developer for selling fake Instagram likes and sued a New Zealand company for its fake Instagram engagement service in 2019. Uh, this is all Ooh, because... Oh, I think I know somebody that used that one. I, uh, well, the New Zealand you service. you use one, too? No, no, no. I use the uh, fake Twitter followers one. Oh, right, right. No, this is the fake engagement companies. So right. if you if you buy, you know, say 800,000 fake followers and you mm -hmm. need the, the engagement to look like something's actually happening when you post something, because yep. if you have 800,000 followers and you get 20 likes and like one comment, <laughs> yes, the jig it is up. Look good. Yes. Yeah, but I, I, the New Zealand one, uh, I, I knew somebody that used a service in New Zealand, so... Oh, well. Yeah, that's the thing. Is uh, once you buy into these things, you got to do the upkeep. I, I worked for a client a couple years back, uh, who shall remain nameless, that uh, had a lot of followers and zero engagement. And I, I asked because I took it over, and I was like, at some point, somebody that you had hired has used a service to get likes, right, and to get followers, right? Oh no, of course not. I'm like, well, none of this makes any sense then. None. It's funny. I had somebody I was about to start working with and did just, you know, a cursory dive on their Facebook account. You know, they had millions of followers, mm -hmm. lots of likes, lots of engagement. And I'm like, why are none of these in English? Why is everybody <laughs> that likes you from Southeast Turkey. Asia? <laughs> yes. Some in Turkey. Turkey's yes. a big one. Yep. <laughs> Saudi Arabia was another big one. Um, and I'm like, you want to start a business that sells ads that most people are going to buy for the U.S. and Canada and North America to people who are not in the country. And you swear to me up and down that you do not pay for engagement. Well, I call I call balderdash on that one. It literally took five minutes to figure it out. It was just like, come on, yeah, people. I know. You it's can't like, fake a faker. It's like, what are you going to do now? You've trapped yourself. So the one way to fix this is we remove all these fake accounts, and then all of a sudden your numbers are down and you feel like you look bad. But the only other option is to continue to pay some of these sketchy companies to keep engagement going so mm -hmm. you're you're trapped now yep you are and but i mean it's like you, know, you can get rid of you can get rid of those followers because the people who are looking at your site obviously don't exist anyway so who's gonna really <laughs> care you gotta you gotta clean house you gotta clean house if you're gonna if you're gonna be legit but most people don't care about being legit they just want nope. the fake numbers and try and you know sell some face cream and shit <laughs> it's yep. like as we've said since day one on this show statistics are bullshit 
They are complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> anyway, let's talk a little bit about the downside of competition when you don't have any qualifications besides a car and a pulse. Yes, that's right. Let's talk about Instacart for a second. <laughs> we could replace that with a uh, besides any coding experience and a pulse. Yes, that too. <laughs> So when the pandemic hit, a lot of people, you know, lost their jobs or got furloughed and went to the old uh, crowd, crowdsourced, you know, crowdfunded. I'm going to go do not even gig economy, gig economy. That's what I'm trying. That's the word I'm looking for. There you go, Jason. I'm here for you. I didn't go for my bike ride yet either. (laughs) (laughs) They went to the old gig economy. And turns out that when you have a lot of people going to use the gig economy to make a living, well, there's a lot more competition. Mm-hmm. And the story over at Vice is called, You Couldn't Swipe Fast Enough, How the Pandemic Devastated Instacart Workers. And it's it, it's the woeful tale of uh, this woman who found her, you know, her basically, her company, uh, if you want to call it that, her gigo company, uh, Look, I, fall through the floor. I, I, yeah, I, I actually feel really bad for this person. I, I, I read this story, and you know, she is one of the few people that uh, that you know that uh, this this AB five law or is it AB two or AB five here in California that's going to force uh, people to be employees for gig employees? Uh, AB five gig workers. AB five. So she's one of the few people that AB five would actually have been a bad thing for. And this is pre COVID. She made her living doing that. She had a very um, unstructured life, single mother, all that sort of stuff. So she needed something incredibly flexible, and it worked out really, really well for her. Now, because everybody flooded in to do these jobs as well, instead of like, you know, most companies would give some, uh, even the bar industry, uh, for example, I know quite a few bartenders and as things shut down and even at this point, they're not up to full speed because you can't have people in the bar. You have only have the outside um, and the longest tenured employees slash contractors would have get get uh, get the get the plum spots and the newest people that came along get less hours and Instacart didn't do anything like that because it's all bidding and it's all snapping it up first and it doesn't matter. So what they should have done is a tiered thing like you've been with the company for 7 years. You should be able to get the the plum pickings here. Exactly, exactly. So she was ranked at one time at uh, the top of the 390 Instacart shoppers in Jacksonville Beach. Uh, mm-hmm. Now uh, they hired another 900 people. So wow, that's you know, that's a lot more, lot more competition right there. So mm-hmm. um, it, she's not in California, so she wouldn't have been. Yeah, uh, AB five wouldn't have been a thing for her. But uh, yeah, but this is this is a, one of the problems that we've talked about with AB five. It's like, you know. It's yeah, we don't like Uber and Lyft. We think they're predatory assholes. But mm-hmm. uh, some people do need to make a living on some of these things, and they were making a living, and then just the competition basically drove them out. Yeah, and, uh, sad story. It is. It is another sad story. Mm-hmm. Revels electric mopeds are coming back to New York City. Okay. Yes, they're gonna have to. You're gonna have to take a mandatory helmet selfie now. <laughs> hey, that's that's one way to. Solve the problem at least until after you've sent it the selfie and can just take the helmet off. Take the helmet off, exactly. <laughs> so we talked about Revel before because uh, that was the scooter that Nina Kapoor, the 26-year-old reporter for CBS, uh, was riding on as a passenger and died mm-hmm. not too long ago. And three people were killed on Revel's electric mopeds. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm curious how, to know how fast they go because I 25. Certainly... Okay, all right. So all right, yep. Okay. 25 is fast enough. <laughs> no, 25 is fast enough, but it's not fast enough to require a motorcycle license. 
Correct. Correct. Yeah. We'll talk about my new bike soon, which also goes <laughs> 25 miles an hour. But yes, we'll also talk about the fancy new helmet that I bought to go with my 25 mile an hour bike because I'm not a dumb shit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these things roll out. But I always said that these were a bad idea. They're too fast. They're too fast. And people don't know how to drive them. Yeah, I, I think these things need to be capped out at like 10 to 15 miles an hour. Absolute max. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I, I mean, how how fast do birds and, and lime scooters go? No clue. No clue. But okay. After all this I time, we I know we knew, I but I well, forgot. I've never gotten on one. <laughs> so, That's true. Uh, you know, I, I I can't imagine that they go faster than fifteen tops. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping they don't because that's yeah. it's still. I mean, I got almost clipped by one cooking by me like not too long ago before the pandemic, and he was cooking, um, but I don't think it was twenty. But uh, no I don't way. know if you've noticed, they are everywhere again. They've rolled yeah, they're, them back they're out. Back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently the bird flu did not kill them. <laughs> so no. uh, Something else that won't die. TikTok. This goddamn TikTok story. <laughs> I'm getting over it. Come on. Make some moves here. Let's get this thing done. So uh, Walmart has now joined into the fray with partner Microsoft to possibly buy the talk. I'm scratching my head at this so much. <laughs> advertising, <laughs> I- man. Advertising. I suppose, I suppose. I can't wait for the people of Walmart channel on TikTok. Oh, yeah, I can't either. <laughs> Although, you know, as you flip through TikTok, you do you do see, you know, the similarity between the people of Walmart and the TikTok users in a lot of <laughs> cases. So, uh, yeah, uh, they're still negotiating. It's basically down to Oracle and now Microsoft and Walmart. And Microsoft and Walmart have history, though, you know. Mm-hmm. They they both kind of teamed up to go after Amazon, so that's why Walmart has has gone with Azure as their cloud platform. But uh, makes sense, makes sense, I guess, if they if they really want to get into it. You know, they don't have to be a majority holder; they can just be a you know a, a minority holder. Yeah, and just get get some prime access to the advertising on the talk. Yeah. But I just yeah. wish this thing would wrap up. I'm sick of talking about it. Well, I know somebody else that was sick of talking about it. The, the CEO of TikTok, Kevin Mayer, who has announced that he is resigning just over 100 days after the former Disney executive joined the world's largest short video app in mid-May. Uh, yeah, he announced his decision to step down in a note to employees as TikTok came under pressure from the Trump administration over its links to China. Mayer did not anticipate the extent to which TikTok would become involved in tensions between China and the U.S., sources told the Financial Times, and the executive didn't sign up for this shit. Exactly. <laughs> Did not sign up for this shit. <laughs> he just like, wanted a big ass paycheck and an easy gig. Not this crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't even realize this until I started reading up on him. He got he got uh, passed over for the CEO of Disney job. That's why he's like, I'm out of here. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Well, mm-hmm. he's going back home now <laughs> because uh, he's unemployed. You well, know what, though? I, I think he's going to be OK. I don't anticipate him adding to the Instacart employee list. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to be fine. He's got that sweet mouse money. So, yeah, I just, it, this thing just needs to end soon. Mm-hmm. Although it's not like we got much else to talk about. Tech news has just been just a dire wasteland. There's yeah. nothing happening. I, I wonder what sucked up all the atmosphere this week. Hmm. I wonder. I wonder. This episode is sponsored by Mood. 420 celebrations come in all shapes and sizes, just like the many ways to enjoy your THC. 
Mood offers just the right buzz with their federally legal flower, gummies, vapes, and more, helping you find the perfect high. Mood is offering our listeners a free THCA pre-roll and 20% off your first order. Just head over to hellomood.com and use our exclusive code GOG. Mood's latest introduction, the THCA Flower, is a game-changer, offering the classic cannabis high with a twist. With 10 high-inducing strains, it's their most potent lineup yet. What's even better is that all Mood products are extracted from hemp, making them federally legal, and are regularly tested to ensure the highest quality. Sourced from small family farms, you're getting a product that's effective and pesticide-free. I tried several of their products from the uplifting Energized to the Mellow Chill, and I must say, each provided a unique, enjoyable high. My favorite? Definitely the Creative Strain. It sparked an incredible flow of ideas and got me through my daily projects with ease. Whether you're new to THC or a seasoned aficionado, Mood has something for every vibe. Their in-house experts have tailored different strains to match specific moods, offering a range of products to suit any preference. From delectable gummies to classic flower and convenient pre-rolls, there's a multitude of ways to enjoy Mood's offerings. Celebrate 420 exactly how you want to with Mood. Get 20% off your first order plus a free THCA pre-roll at hellomood.com with promo code GOG. That's hellomood.com. Code GOG. Are you hungry? I am. Which means it's a perfect time to talk about Factor. Why not make your spring a breeze with Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals? Picture this every meal is fresh, never frozen, crafted by top chefs, and has the dietitian's thumbs up. Plus, they're ready to roll in just two minutes. You've got 35 mouth watering options to choose from each week. Whether you're into calorie-smart, keto, ramping up your protein, or keeping it green with vegan and veggie, Factors got you covered. And there's more. Each week brings over 60 extras, including breakfast, grab-and-go lunches, snacks, and drinks to keep your energy up and your taste buds happy all day. So, what's the holdup? Dive in today and give your spring the tasty kickstart it deserves. As someone who's lived off microwave meals for most of his life, I can confidently say that Factor's chef-crafted dishes blow anything else I've had out of the water. The chicken stays juicy, the veggies are crisp, and the flavors are absolutely delicious. I'm talking about meals like their artichoke and spinach chicken and the spicy poblano beef bowl out of this world. Are you craving a touch of gourmet? Well, check out the meals featuring luxury ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. It's fancy dining without the fuss. And speaking of no fuss, the meals are a total breeze. Forget about prepping, cooking, and cleaning. Just heat up your meal and enjoy the deliciousness. Plus, everything's tailored to fit your life. Customize your weekly meal plan to get exactly what you need whenever you need it. Need to pause or shift your deliveries? No problem. It's all designed to work around your schedule. Factor is your solution for fast, premium meals without the need for cooking. And Factor is celebrating Earth Day all month long. Look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. 
Head to Factormeals.com slash Grumpy50 and use code Grumpy50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code Grumpy50 at Factormeals.com slash Grumpy50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Security? Ha! We're joined again this week by Dave Bittner. Dave is the host of the CyberWire podcast, and Dave is also the co-host of the social engineering podcast Hacking Humans with Joe Kerrigan, as well as the co-host of Caveat with Ben Yellen, where they discuss law and policy as well as surveillance and privacy. Welcome back, Dave. Hello. Good to be back. Hello, Dave. Hello. Oh, it's come to my realization that we may not have mentioned that we have a Discord server now to Dave, and there's been some concerted effort and posting of furries to try to entice him to join. (laughs) Oh, is that so? Yes. I believe there was actually a furry (laughs) stormtrooper. Yeah, somebody busted out a furry stormtrooper. I thought that was pretty clever. Hmm, Say no more. All right. I don't know that I've ever been on Discord before, so uh, I know my son uses it for his D&D stuff. (laughs) Think of it as AOL from the 90s. It's a chat room. That's about it. It's a chat room. Okay. So... Uh, it's I'll fun. check it out. We got a lot of people over there. So we got some follow-up. Yeah. Quick one on the iPad story where we got only one person sending us in their, their conspiracy theory on what the iPod might have been used for. But uh, I, got a, I got a note from an anonymous listener with ties to the spooky dookie world and, uh, <laughs> and familiarity with that actual particular department. And they said that the iPod was almost certainly a radiation detector and the aluminum back wouldn't really have been that much of an issue. And they were probably testing for different types of radiation, not just one single type of radiation. Hmm. So a ah. little inside scoopage there. That's interesting. I wonder why they would – why – because dosimeters aren't big, so why would you well, they're not big hide, now. hide it in an iPod? Now, but they haven't been big for. I mean, I I did work with dosimeters back in the early '90s, and they were smaller than the first generation iPod, like the stuff that folks would take into um, nuclear power plants and stuff like that. Well, they they may have been for situations in which you wouldn't want to uh, be obvious about the fact <laughs> exactly. that you're around for radiation it. leaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying it's it's not a hard thing to hide. It's not like a, a dosimeter is something in a suitcase. But I mean, I I, I believe this person. I'm just curious uh, what the use case would be for making it look like an iPod. That's fascinating. Well, yeah, if you're looking for plutonium or uranium or different types of radiation from different substances in different places. Mm-hmm. I'm just a you're tourist not supposed to be in, in those Iran. places. Exactly. Or, <laughs> yeah. yes, I've always wanted to see the Kremlin. It's been a dream of mine since I was a little boy. <laughs> I will tell you, I'm not sure what – I don't know what the actual story is, but I have noticed that on the highways that surround Fort Meade around here, which is where NSA is, there are little pods – on in the median that have little look look like air intakes on them and they came right after 9-11 and they've been there ever since and Mm -hmm. i can't help wondering if they're up to this sort of thing as well you know sniffing out sure all that kind of stuff yeah 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 Mm -hmm. i mean you know if they're just if they're testing the air quality to see if there's any any trace of explosives like you know say you're rolling up timothy mcveigh style with a u-haul full of you know 
ammonium Cow nitrate. <laughs> right. You could, uh, that could probably uh, be a, a setter offer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Incoming. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to follow up because uh, any opportunity to geek out on Star Wars for a couple of minutes is, is a good day for me. And well, good for um, us because there's no damn news. So rock yeah, it's been on. a slow news week, actually. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, uh, thanks to, uh, someone who we all know and love, uh, who may or may not be on the line on this podcast as we speak, uh, who may be the person who is famously known on this podcast for being the guy you go to if you want to get something that's fallen <laughs> off the truck in Sweden. Um, I got you my hands on, <laughs> yeah, I, and Brian as well, we got our hands mm-hmm. on a copy of Star Wars 4K 77. Yep, which is a 4K scan of Star Wars that uh, I believe came from a um, uh, an old um, oh, what do you call it? What's the the three uh, three strip process? Um, or, it was thirty five yeah. millimeter, but it's um, what's the thing that they shot? Uh, Technicolor. Sh- Technicolor. Thank you very much, Jason. It's a Technicolor print, uh, and Technicolor doesn't fade, so it is a very good looking uh, scan. And let me tell you, I have been having so much fun with this because at 4k every frame is like a print print resolution i mean obviously it's film but i've never seen i've never been able to examine star wars at this resolution at my leisure and it's just been a lot of fun i'm I'm pausing all the time and just kind of looking around what's in the background what's (laughs) you can you you can so clearly see that han shot first it's beautiful yes (laughs) (laughs) yes but also some of the matte paintings are really kind of crappy and (laughs) yeah (laughs) the other thing too is this is a version from 77 so it doesn't have any of the the changes or anything like that but yes uh, it is as god intended us to see this movie that's right. That's right. So I've been enjoying that a lot. So uh, thanks to uh, our, our good friend uh, who reaches out to Sweden for us. So well, you're welcome. So I, now I got to watch it, damn it. <laughs> no, it, it's worth it, Jason. It's really quite wonderful. Um, but speaking yeah. of the way it was procured, we do have a bit of news this week. Uh, three Uh-oh. men have been charged with leaking movies for nearly a decade. So, in an attempt to take down the elite global piracy ring Sparks Group, U.S. officials have charged three men with copyright infringement. Two have been arrested, and law agencies in 18 other countries helped shut down servers used by the piracy group. Uh, it's estimated that the Sparks Group cost film production studios tens of millions of dollars. This has been going on since 2011. Uh, they have fraudulently obtained copyrighted DVDs and Blu-ray discs from wholesale distributors, and then they would basically open them up and put them online. So, slight, uh, uh, slight crack out in of, Sweden. Hey, remember the old uh, Mac the Ripper program? They probably oh, had yeah. one of those. Yep. <laughs> uh, Mac yeah, the Ripper. I, I, I'm always dubious when I see these these dollar signs of you know how much they've cost the industry. They always seem kind of because it's not. I don't believe for a second that the people who are collecting a lot of these movies are also people who would have gone to the theater to see them. Yeah, you know, there's some people uh, yeah. who just like to collect things to collect them, and I, I suppose um, they're missing out on their DVD or, or Blu-ray sale, but not really anymore, are they? Like now, it's just uh, you get your cut from Netflix or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah. back in the so. day, I I would you know get movies wherever I could get them, but I also had a DVD collection. I still have it. It's in in Chicago, a thirty thousand dollar DVD collection. Mm. I would now go worth every week. Thirty cents. Now worth actually <laughs> negative 30 cents because I got to like recycle the damn thing. 
But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 that's why I don't have, uh, you know, my conscience is clean. I put my, I put my damn dimes in to the damn. Oh, movies. you know, I, 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 we, I, I'm sure we've had this discussion multiple times over the years. But my infuriation with the music industry and my, my, my ability to pirate uh, without qualms is is similar because I, some some albums I owned as early as vinyl, I definitely had cassettes, and then I rebought them on CD, and now I'm paying streaming every month. So you know some some albums in my collection I've paid for six to seven times. So yeah, to hell with you guys. I, Screw you guys. I'm stealing your torrent. Yep, I did. Uh, yeah, I did VHS to DVD to Blu-ray, and I still have a a very small but you know meaningful Blu-ray collection, which you know probably will be out of date when 8K comes out. But I'll be blind as a bat by then, so I can go back to VHS <laughs> if I need to. Yeah, I, I. You know how many times I've bought Star Wars? I mean, I do not oh. feel the least bit of guilt about no, <laughs> no. grabbing an extra copy. Uh, do you I, have the laser discs? Uh, I, I did. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, didn't. How do I say this? Didn't have the laser discs. I may have copied the laser discs onto Betacam tapes. Ah, there you go. Well, I actually, feel like you need to write copy. a check and send it to Lucas. <laughs> yeah, he's actually, he's not doing so well these days. I hear. <laughs> that's how I have a copy of Song of the South, which you cannot buy <gasps> oh, because you can oh. get. Uh, you're sharing that, motherfucker. You're I sharing that you one. To, you needed to get that Mac the Ripper program out, Dave. I... <laughs> yeah, that uh, we got our. I think we bought a Japanese laser disc and then went to a friend's house who had a laser disc player. Again, copied it to Betacam, um, and I think I still just have the Betacam copy. I don't know that I've ever digitized it, but get on heck, it. I got, I got Betacam decks sitting on shelves doing nothing. Might as well. <laughs> yeah, make fire use that of puppy them. up. Yeah. I think I, I have one animated DVD left, and that's Ricky Tikki Tavi, my favorite oh. animation short of all time. Mm-hmm. I love that, love that little short, love that little guy. He was so. Cute. Was that a short? I th- I remember that. Yeah, short. That a, well, it's thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's a show. I remember when it would come on TV, mm-hmm. and uh, it was scary and sad uh, yes. to me at the end. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, well, one. no, it had a happy ending. It had a very happy ending. Yeah, yeah, but the whole thing where don't they like sing the song about Ricky about somebody like they think he's dead and yeah, then, yeah, yeah, that was sad. Yeah, yeah, no, that spoiler was spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen it by now, tough noogies. <laughs> um, yeah, that was Chuck Jones. That was like you know right. the height, the height of like fantastic animation. The right. uh, I think Orson Welles did the voiceover on it. Um, he was the narrator. It's just so good. I'll it, yeah. it, I'll trade you a song of the South for a Ricky Tikki Tavi. <laughs> All right, I'll have to see if I can get my hands on it. I don't know. Don't know where it is. I know we have it somewhere. But. I'm I'm sure there's a copy floating around in Sweden somewhere as well. I just haven't uh, thought to search for it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, we do have a little bit of other news this week, uh, and within the realm of cybersecurity, we uh, found out the FBI has arrested a 27-year-old Russian citizen for attempting to carry out a ransomware attack. Uh, apparently, this was against Tesla. So, according to a complaint shared by the Department of Justice in July, and here we go with the name, Igor Igorovich Kruchkov, I think. That name shits Russian. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah. That name smells of vodka. Yep. So uh, he traveled to the U.S. and contacted a Russian-speaking non-U.S. citizen who was working at the Tesla Gigafactory in Sparks, Nevada. And after meeting with the individual, he proposed a deal. He would pay the employee $1 million to deliver malware <laughs> to computer systems at the Gigafactory. They planned to extract data from the network and threatened to make it public if Tesla didn't pay the ransom. The employee immediately informed Tesla, and the company contacted the FBI which launched a sting operation. They arrested him in Los Angeles as he was attempting to leave the U.S. So we got we got a guy. Gotcha! <laughs> the Tesla employee got an extra 15 minutes on his lunch break that day. So. <laughs> Pretty much. So uh, they didn't confirm which companies were impacted, but a similar ransomware attack was carried out against CWT Group in July, which uh, they paid a $4.5 million ransom. So this is a lucrative industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a story here uh, from C4 ISR Net, which is kind of an inside the Beltway military Rolls off the tongue. publication. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, uh, but it's titled, Pentagon's Acquisition Chief Wants Microelectronics Production to Return to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about uh, Ellen Lord, who is the Undersecretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment, who recently said in a webinar that they're trying to uh, get companies to start making stuff here again. That Be nice. We, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of this obviously comes from the whole thing with Huawei and the 5G rollout and the, the realization that uh, there aren't a whole lot of suppliers of this kind of stuff. And so um, and, and can you combine that with it? The devices are so complex that how do you know if they're hiding things inside of these devices and turns out they are <laughs> well I, I you know i think we've established that when we figured out tiktok was phoning home yeah why wouldn't yeah. they put it into this sort of stuff and yeah. all the news that we've had recently with all of the bugs in the iot devices that we've seen you know they go way back it'd be nice to at least have somebody here that we can smack around and say fix it damn it <laughs> so now the question is are we willing to pay the premium and the extra money to have them built here Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But hey, it's the government, right? right? They're used to spending seven thousand dollars on a toilet seat. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, if if you could put military money behind it, then I think it, it has a possibility of happening. But it's interesting to me that it, it's a. It's interesting because obviously it's a national security issue, but it's not like we didn't see all this stuff being offshored and shifted over the past few decades. Um, to the point where, I mean, I've read interviews where folks have said, if we wanted to manufacture iPhones here, we couldn't. And a big part of that is we no longer have the manufacturing expertise here to do it. Mm-hmm. That that specialized expertise in many, many different elements that go into building an, I- an iPhone, for example, both the electronics, but also the the physical manufacturing, the making of all of the stuff, um, we just can't do that here anymore. We don't have the the folks who know how to do that, who who because we haven't done it in so long. So it sort of feeds back on itself. So I think that's a fascinating element of this. And then it seems like if they're going to bring it back, it would be a bit of a uh, I hate to use the word moonshot. Maybe a um, <laughs> uh, what was the uh, the other one? The um, what was the nuclear power? The nuclear weapons program? Uh, the Manhattan, Manhattan Project, Project, which Manhattan is what Project. I was thinking That's too. What I'm it's, it's, for. We yeah. need a new Manhattan yeah. Project instead of the Germans this time. We need some Chinese guys. <laughs> right, some defectors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. we need some Chinese defectors and rebuild our our systems. Yeah, yeah. The Do you Beijing guys have any Project. thoughts on that? 
Yeah. Uh, uh, I, yeah. I think we need to do it. I think it should be a top priority. I, I, I don't understand how, and this is where we veer into the political again, so cue the one-star ratings coming in. I don't see how we can run <laughs> around screaming, you know, we need jobs, we need jobs, we need jobs here in the U.S. when there's such glaring need for these sorts of things where we need to staff up and educate and and start building up our our own systems again our own manufacturing processes uh, you know the idea that it's american companies that uh, well i mean that's in air quotes these days because they're global companies but theoretically they're american companies that are are making all these uh, end products and all the windfall and we have apple a 2 trillion dollar company but we can't build an iphone in the united states mhm yeah, and you have to start at some point if you ever want to get there. So let's get going. You know, yep. I mean, obviously the expertise exists in the world, so it can be done. And as they say in the, one of my favorite movies, The Edge, what one man can do, another can do. So surely, let's get surely there's a master class <laughs> about how to build an iPhone. <laughs> well, let's go check out Johnny Coursera. Ives. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Ives' master class. Yeah. No ports. No ports for you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Right. Uh, my last story this week uh, has to do with one of the uh, underground markets um, basically shutting down with an exit scam, allegedly. This is from the folks over at Digital Shadows. Um, and this is the Empire Market, which is one of the underground markets that came uh, in ascendance after... Other markets fell, like Alpha Bay, um, Empire grew. And this is where you'd go to buy password lists, things of that nature. You could buy all sorts of things. I mean, on these dark markets, you can buy. Um, it depends Murder on the market. <laughs> yep, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Empire specialized in or anything like this. Uh, in this article, they say that uh, common things were drugs, software, malware. Um, Digital goods, databases, so breaches, um, counterfeit goods, things like passports and driver's licenses. And the um, world's largest selection and copies of Song of the South. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Credit cards, fraud, all those sorts of things. Standard um, fare. Yeah, and, I, and my understanding is a, a, one of the ways that these uh, marketplaces work is that you have to put some money in escrow if you're going to be part if you're going to be a member of one of these forums if you're going to be buying and selling uh so what happens is the marketplace the people who run the marketplace end up with a large amount of money sitting there in escrow and that's part of how the trust works but mm -hmm. these guys have uh, evidently made a run for it they've shut the market down and they're going to take all that money in escrow and basically have a big old exit scam uh, I, I know this will seem shocking dollars. but uh just goes to prove you can't trust a criminal. Yep, there is no honor among thieves. That is for <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah they said that. Not surprising. If, I mean, if I was that guy, I would probably do the same thing. Because <laughs> they don't know who the who the who runs these networks. It's just you know based on faith. So how is it? You know, how are these people ever going to get caught? Probably not. Right, and and I also think that there's a little bit of a race against time when you're running one of these things because. Law enforcement is going to come after you uh, eventually, which is what's happened to some of the other markets. So do you try to run long enough so that it, it seems like one of two things is going to happen? You're going to reach the point where you can do an exit scam like this, or you're going to get busted 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not to say that I, that those are two mutually exclusive. They could still get busted having already done the ed- exit scam. But I wonder how much of is the is the ed- exit scamming built into the ecosystem now, where it's kind of a cost of doing business. The risk that this is what's the, the not just risk but likelihood that something like this is going to happen. I'm guessing so. I'm guessing so. I mean, it happens on, with such regularity. You have to, you know, you can't be putting in more money in escrow than you can afford to lose. Right. Yeah. That is an yeah. excellent point. Yep. I mean, yeah. I imagine they're just sitting there with a with a number in mind, and when when we hit this, we we take it and run. Mm-hmm. Or if they smell the cops coming, you know, they get some yeah. people in there who are who are just you know smell of fed, and they're like, <laughs> okay, Joey over here, uh, I think uh, he might be. Uh, you might be one of the cops, so let's just pack up shop and move on, and we'll start up a new one when all this money runs out. Yeah, and is that the the payout for having taken all this risk? Mm-hmm. That I don't could know. be. Yeah. Could yeah. be. I mean, I that know. that actually is a very good point. It's like, hey, man, I I've, I've been doing this for a long time. You guys got your goods. This is the service fee. See ya. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Right. Consider right. it a subscription. Yeah, so interesting uh, sort of game of whack-a-mole that goes on with these these uh, places, and certainly another one will pop up to take its place. Yep, and we'll see if the the pattern continues. So, as long as there's an internet, the pattern will continue. Yeah, <laughs> ain't it the truth? Ain't <laughs> yep. it the truth? This has all, all happened right, before, and it will all happen again. <laughs> yeah, may, history may not repeat itself, but it does rhyme. <laughs> All right, well, go enjoy your Star Wars uh, navel-gazing for the weekend. <laughs> I will. I will. I am very happy. I'm a happy boy because of because of this. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. All right, gents. Talk to you soon. Ups and doodads. I'm not sure what to make of the story. I, I, maybe the people over at TechCrunch are feeling the same way that we do about tech news this week, which is, where is it? We need something. Because <laughs> something. they managed to... <laughs> turned Spotify putting a virtual events button where the events button was before into a very long article extolling how they're developing a virtual events feature. No. No, they made (laughs) a partnership with Songkick, which was giving them ticketing links and all that sort of stuff for artists. And uh, Songkick has now included virtual events because they're are no concerts. They're only virtual events. And now that's going to come in. So they changed the button from reading, get your tickets to virtual event. That's about it. But Brian, what about Smash Mouth? (laughs) (sighs) Yes. Well, uh, Amazon has released its new version of their fitness tracker called the Halo. Comes with a subscription. Comes with a subscription. That's (laughs) right. That (laughs) four bucks a month plus tax, and uh, yeah, it includes body composition, tone of voice analysis, sleep and activity tracking, and more. Free for six months, and then it auto renews for four bucks a month. And it doesn't have a screen on it. (laughs) And they sell that as a plus. Fewer distractions. Fewer distractions. That's right. So what? You have to go through the Alexa app. How do you how do you get your deets in real time? I, it must have tied to the Alexa app somehow. Everything ties to the damn Alexa app. So you can probably say, hey, chick on my wrist, how many steps have I gone today? How fat am yeah, I? I guess. I guess. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be using that. No, and it looks awful. It, yeah, it does. It actually it really, really looks awful. So I'll stick with my Apple Watch and my Fitbit and my... 
bed and everything else <laughs> has. Yes. Uh, I got rid of the aura ring though. That thing just hurt. I don't know. What's yeah, up with you that. never you never liked that. No, no. So I gave mine to Dan Nitro Clark, the gladiator. He can still wear it because he's got like these giant meat paws. So it's like that's what happens with a gladiator. But yeah, that thing hurt. So Right. That's it. Well, there you go. Uh, finally, after five years of talking about the Raspberry Pi, well, actually, we kind of stopped talking about it. We went through a period of a year, about four years ago, where we talked about the Raspberry Pi and actually getting one and doing something with it. I'm finally going to do it. I've ordered it. It's coming this weekend, and I'm going to set up a pie hole and test it out to block all those ads that Facebook is upset about. All right. All right. Friend of the show, John Chevron, set one up back when we used to talk about it mm-hmm. uh, and uh, loves it. So Yeah. Can't wait to try it. Yeah, I went I went the lazy man's route and just got a subscription to Eero Plus. So it's blocked at the router. <laughs> they just it does does it for me so I don't even have to think about it anymore. Yeah, I wanted to do a little something hands-on. I need a little quarantine project. Yeah, no shit. Ain't that the <laughs> fucking truth. So my quarantine project is my new bikes here. It's mm-hmm. great. I got the Rad Rover 5 fat tire electric bike which uh you can set to go 25 miles an hour. Took it out for my first ride yesterday. It's pretty mm-hmm. sweet. Pretty sweet. My butt hurts. My legs hurt. So even though it's a cheater bike with an engine in it, the damn thing weighs 70 pounds. You can't move it without an engine. <laughs> it is heavy <laughs> as hell. Right. But uh, I, I sent you a text uh, when I first got my, my new helmet. I got the Sena or Sena R1 Smart Cycling Helmet. Now, I didn't right. even know how smart this thing was when I got it. I didn't even realize it was a smart cycling helmet. It was just the cheapest one in the store. At 120 bucks, because the only bike store around here is one of those fancy, swanky ones that sell $10,000 10 speeds. Right. So, 1000 bucks a speed. That's what you get here. <laughs> but I was going through the manual this morning because it has a manual. It has well, a, that's it, lovely. The, the manual for my bike helmet is bigger than the manual that comes with my $1,200 phone, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Um, but I was going through it today, and it's fun. If if you have a bunch of people that have these, it's got, like, chat in between the helmets, so you can actually broadcast to everybody on the channel and chat with them, which so is kind of neat. you're saying if I get one of these bikes and one of these helmets, we can do the show on the road? Uh, well, no, because <laughs> then I'd have to figure out how to record it, and I'm not doing that. <laughs> Surely you can sideload something. Yes, but if we, you know, if we went for a, a bike ride on the beach together, we could chat, or like yeah. we could just yell at each other, like because we'll be right next to each other. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it also has an FM radio, which is kind of cool, even though there's no good FM stations in Los Angeles anymore. But mm-hmm. uh, the real plus is that I can, you know, play audiobooks through it or whatever without having to put anything in my ears and get a ticket for riding with AirPods. So. But uh, yeah, I I got exercise. I went out in the sun. Something new and novel. And uh, if good for I, you, I, I, I got to say, man, that bike is so goddamn fun. <laughs> you have no <laughs> idea how fun that bike is. <laughs> I'll stick with my Cannondale. Yeah, yeah. This thing is it's it it is a cross between a basically a Harley and a mountain bike. You can just the, the tires are four inches wide. It feels like you're right. It feels like uh, when I I had Doctor Teeter's uh, BMW motorcycle for a while. I think the tires on the BMW were skinnier than these. So right, <sighs> fun times. Brick a brick. Brian, I've been trying to find interesting things to read on the internet because tech news has been a wasteland this week. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing, nothing. No, nothing. And I found this one over at the New Yorker, and it's called What Boredom Does to Us and for Us. 
And it's a, another one of those longer reads because mm-hmm. I got nothing but time right now. <laughs> did you get a, <laughs> Did you get a chance to look at this one? Uh, I scanned through it. Yeah, uh, mostly I was curious what they had to say about kids and things like that because uh, I know you know certainly watching other people's kids and and the the young generation, even teenagers at this point, uh, they do not experience boredom and they need to. Yes, they do, because uh, I've been trying to cultivate more boredom. Surprisingly enough, yeah, listening to our own show. It's working. It's absolutely working. And I just, it's more philosophy than anything at this point. Like, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting read. I highly recommend checking it out. And I love some of the quotes in here. Like they they say, uh, uh, boredom, according to Tolstoy, was a desire for desires, which kind Uh, of it is. I I would like to desire to desire again. Because I don't, it's, I just don't. I'm like, oh. and this one though really, uh, it really stood out to me. And this is from Seneca, and I, I don't know how I missed this one. I've read everything I thought Seneca wrote, but he calls boredom the relentless cyclicality of life. Which nowadays, wake up, yep. shit, shower, <clears throat> shave, go. and go back to bed. That's mm-hmm. about it. Is it beer o'clock? No. Okay. Um, shit. Certainly, it is. Why not? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then I found another one over at uh, eon.co called The Mathematics of Mind Time. Now, the the headline is kind of not really on the mark so much. This is more about consciousness. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you get a chance to look at this one? Uh, scan through this as well. This one I didn't care so much for. Okay. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty interesting talk about consciousness and things like that. But uh, yeah, these are just some long reads for mm-hmm. uh, for the fans to get us through to the next show. And hopefully somebody will <laughs> fucking invent something or do something fun in technology. <laughs> That's never going to happen again. Uh, probably not. So <laughs> oh, if wait, you want to hear this next one, is here's a, the is next a good one. invention of technology. Exactly. That's why I threw it in here. This is something to, if you get bored, try and fill the time. It's called uh, Better Box Fan Air Purifier. I forget who I was talking to. Somebody, it might have been uh, one of our friends of the show around. I can't even oh, no, remember it was, anymore. It was, it was a Bittner off the air. I remember this conversation. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. Um, people are using furnace filters and slapping them onto box fans to try and clear the air of mm-hmm. either. Yeah, some people are saying they're having luck with COVID with it, which I I would like to see the, <laughs> yeah, I'd the like to science see them on test. that one. Show your work. Um, <laughs> but for us in California, with all the ash and the crap in the air, these are actually a pretty good idea. And uh, this guy over at TomBuildStuff.blogspot.com. Fucking blogspot. This is an article from 2013. Mm-hmm. But it's a cool It's a cool little uh, box fan air purifier. It really yeah. is. It's a, it's a good design. So if you're looking for some way to clear the air on the cheap instead of buying a multi-hundred-dollar air purifier like some of us have that you have to clean the damn thing out every other day, um, check this out. It's a pretty good. It's a pretty good little uh, little good design. I, 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 well, it's a good functional design. I wouldn't exactly say it. It looks pretty in your room. Oh hell no, 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 no! It does not look pretty at all. God no! It looks, looks like, like some kind. Of, yeah. Open up a Domino's pizza box and grafted it to duct taped it to the back of your fan oh totally this is something that like college kids would try and blow pot into to try and get the stench down you know (laughs) yeah no this is totally it's totally jankified but it looks like it might work Mm -hmm. now in keeping on with my long reads uh this one i haven't read yet and i i i don't know if i can but i put it in the show notes because i thought maybe you might be interested in it no way (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> it's a 109-minute read, but for you, that's like 20 minutes. I, you're a fast reader. I'm a very slow reader. But uh, it's called How to Destroy Surveillance Capitalism, a new book by Cory Doctorow. You know what? I'll, I'll read it once we're not under surveillance capitalism. I, I, okay. I just don't think I could do it right now. I, I really don't. <laughs> I still have PTSD from the actual book, Surveillance Capitalism, which is yes. the... You know, I think neither one of us could finish that book because it was just so damn depressing. It's yeah, like, it was just too depressing. Up. Mm-hmm. So uh, Corey's thinks he has a way to destroy surveillance capitalism, but at 109 minutes, I don't know. I don't know. Brevity, Corey, brevity. But that, you, you know what? He's not good at the brevity thing. He's one of those people that I actually am considering unfollowing on Twitter, like I did with Kevin Smith, because he just fills my feed. Uh, yeah, Corey, I, I unfollowed years ago. Kevin Smith, I keep, but I turned off retweets. If you turn off no. retweets, it's not too bad. Okay. Yeah, that, that's the trick with Kevin. Um, but yeah, hey, if anybody wants to to read this and send us a review, give us, we'd a, appreciate give, it. Give us the Cliff's notes. Exactly. Cliff notes for this one, please. Yeah, I can, we can use it like five bullets or less. How's that? TLDR. Uh, it's probably going to be uh, stop using Facebook, stop using Google. <laughs> Get a Linux computer. Yep. I'm pretty Do sure all you're browsing Linux. through a Raspberry Pi. Yeah. Something like that. Ugh, Corey. Corey, Corey, Corey. Closing shout outs. And since it was really nothing good to read this week on the internet, uh, big thanks again to all of our friends over at the Discord channel. Go to uh, GOG.show slash Discord. That'll link you right over to it. We've got over 200 people in there now. It's, uh, it's kind of rocking and rolling. Yeah, it's, it's fun to look at every now and then. Certainly this week when there was not much else to pay attention to. Tell me Unless about you it. wanted to be incredibly it. depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. <laughs> I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. This show is a labor of love, but your support keeps the show going. If you like the show, please visit GOG.show slash donate to help us out, and we'll love you forever. Or visit GOG.shop and pick up some good old-fashioned GOG swag. And if you can't do that, then please pass the show along to a friend. Word of mouth is the only way the show grows, so spread the grump far and wide. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 467. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, donate to the show, buy our swag, and get links to stuff we like. Stay grumpy.